What is up? Welcome back to the Pack Center Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything Nevada athletics, episode 128. I'm your host, Matt Hanif, and I'm here with my co-host, Isaiah Bros. Isaiah, how's it going? Great, as always. Did you have a good weekend? Yes. What'd you do? Watched the Nevada football game. I was quite happy. How was your weekend? My weekend was pretty good, man. First off, before we get into it, we have an anniversary coming up this weekend. You know what Thursday is? It's Blue Friday. Yeah, the the 10-year anniversary of Blue Friday this weekend. That was the 34-31 win against Boise State 10 years ago at Mackey Stadium. It was Colin Kaepernick's senior night. Vitawa, Dante Moe, Rashard Matthews, all very prominent Nevada players in their school history. We we came back from 17 points down at a half time. We were down 17 at half time. We came back to win that game. Do you remember that game at all? Like cuz I was 10 years old. What were you? 11? Yeah, I was 11. Okay, I, so do you remember that game at all? I do. I remember the final moments of that game. Obviously, I wasn't that big or into college football at that time, but I just remember Mackey Stadium exploding after the game ended, and I think I remember Colin Kaepernick just going absolutely berserk. It was a pretty special moment, and from that moment on, it kind of sparked my interest in NCAA football, and I made a awesome Nevada team. I made a SDSU team as well because I was a big Marshall Falk fan at that time, so it kind of sparked my interest, but what about you? I remember it very vividly. I remember my dad and I actually almost went to the game, but we didn't because it was so freaking cold outside. It would have been so, worth it. Yeah, it wasn't worth it. So we just watched it back in my house, and that was my favorite moment as a kid growing up watching Nevada football was watching that game because just the rivalry with Boise at the time, the chance to knock Boise out of BCS national title con- uh, contention. That same day it was – I remember watching Auburn and Alabama when Cam came back, and I think it was 28-27 they, Auburn beat Alabama that day, I'm, if my memory is serving me correctly, but – that was that was another like super hyped game, and so it was kind of like that game there, like middle of the day, and then Nevada, Boise State that night, and so that was a pretty cool uh, moment. Oh, definitely, and you're not alone when you say that, right? Like, still one of the greatest games, if not one of the greatest outcomes in school history. So, just taking down Kellen Moore, Titus Young. I remember how Doug good. Martin, Doug Martin, Austin Pettis. The team had so much NFL talent. I remember how badly I wanted Titus Young to succeed in the NFL, but off the field troubles really some bad guy stuff really caught up to him. But ultimately, yeah, taking down Boise State was, I mean, just special. How great that team was, and for us to beat them in that fashion was awesome. Okay, so well, transitioning from football in 2010 to current football now. Where, I mean, in 2010, you were able to rush the fields. Now you can't even go to the stadiums. Not going, how do you like that? How do you like I, I that like for that. a decade transition? Different dynamic here in 2020, boys. No, not at all. I mean, especially after Saturday's win, it would have been great to have a fan attendance there, but. Can't really have it in these type of circumstances, but nonetheless, Nevada won 26 21 over San Diego State. You want to hear something cool? Let's hear it. Nevada's the only 5 0 team in the Mountain West. San Diego State or San Jose State, who's four and zero, wasn't couldn't play this weekend because of COVID. Once again, we're just grateful to play every single week to this point. You know, we talked about it on last podcast, just how impactful that tiebreaker can be between us and San Diego State. 
let alone just the impact a win over a program like that for the third year in a row can have for our program. And we did it. Just, you know, it was in a different fashion, obviously, as we'll get into, but just to come out with such a grinded-out victory on both sides of the ball was so impressive to see. There was a lot to take away from it. It was kind of cool because the game was on CBS, and so you had Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson call the game. For those who watch college football, though, they're usually calling SEC games, but it was weird. Alabama, Kentucky was on the SEC network in Nevada. San Diego State was on CBS. That's not usually how it works. Not usually the other way around. <laughs> not at all. But, but um, yeah, so that was kind of cool. They were getting just clowned on Twitter because Daniels had said something during the podcast that Nevada had a few or several preseason all whack defenders. And I, we were, what? What? It was a little embarrassing. Where have you been, dude, for the last eight years? It was just a little embarrassing. There's a couple moments sprinkled throughout the game I heard that, you know, after that Cole Turner touchdown, just throw it up to the six foot six guy. Okay. I understand they kind of played into the dynamic as a whole, but I don't think he knew who Cole Turner was. But, I mean, overall, it was still cool to have that I mean, recognition. He's not wrong. No, he's not. Like I said, it kind of played into the call as a whole. So, but still. I really don't think he knew who he was, legitimately. Yeah, because it was their second consecutive week without calling an SEC game because the Alabama-LSU game was, I think, canceled last Mm. Saturday. But they had the Masters on, so it didn't really matter. Overall, yeah, it was... Was it a good broadcast? I didn't hear it. I watched it, so... I mean, for a majority of the fans out there, when announcers make mistakes, like or just really any announcer, they get really picky... About the broadcast, I like Nestle and Danielson, even though they were calling a Mountain West game and not an SEC game. I still liked them on the broadcast. I still, I was still a fan of it, but that's probably an unpopular opinion. Yeah. Overall, we were watching it for the product on the field, so that turned out in our favor regardless. Right, and so let's get into it. So what we can take away from this game, or something that we can't take away from this game, was this is Nevada's second consecutive year where they've performed well against the rush against San Diego State and this year in particular San Diego State's run game was the best in the conference and one of the best in the nation oh definitely we stood up to the test most definitely and just being able to contain the run and forcing SDSU to pass really played in our favor and I know we talked about it in the preview podcast just how impactful the battle was going to be in the trenches on both sides of the ball whoever came out on top of that had a very high chance and a very high outcome to win this game and Nevada's defense kudos just so many impressive plays up front and in the secondary to force SDSU to just kind of get out of its rhythm offensively yeah Nevada only allowed 109 rushing yards this year on 3.1 yards per carry against an off against a run game that was averaging 280 coming into the game that was the top five mark in the nation and Nevada as you said stood its ground and we performed really well, and we, especially in the second half. The second half, we'll get into that in a little bit, but Nevada's defense in the second half just kicked up a notch. And last year, in 2019, Nevada allowed, I think it was 113 yards on also three yards a carry or about three yards per carry. And so this is the second consecutive year where we've held a, a most potent rushing attack in the conference to a minimum. Or, well, actually, Wyoming's was the best last year, and we got dominated by but Xavier and Valade, but still, still one of the best, one of the top. Yeah, tiers. <laughs> one of the one of the top rushing deep, rushing offenses in the Mountain West. We held it to a minimum, and 
that really helped us win the game. Oh, definitely. I mean, our offense was, you know, kept in check for most of the day, you could argue. I mean, there were... Especially in the second half. Especially in the second half. And for our defense to just consistently string together stops and uh, make tackles behind the line of scrimmage, force plays out of just out of control. I, I just couldn't believe it in so many aspects. It was so, you know, impressive to see because, you know, we've seen the defense throughout the year string together some performances, but as we've talked about, it's against lower-level competition. But to do this against the Aztecs and to the fashion they did it was awesome. They imposed their will up front, and you can see it was like as soon as SDSU trotted back onto the field offensively, they just had nothing. Obviously, it's the best win of the year, and a lot of credit of that goes to the defense in so many aspects. Yeah, the offense couldn't put away the game late in the game with some bad offensive drives. I think it was the last two or three drives, um, one of them being the strong interception that almost cost us the game. But San Diego State only had 41 yards and three first downs in the entire second half. Their first five drives, there was five three and outs. Gosh. They couldn't they couldn't sustain a drive. In the third quarter, Nevada allowed only seven yards after allowing 252 in the first half. I mean, it was just a tale of two halves offensively for SDSU because we saw them coming out aggressively with the pass immediately as soon as they took the field. And I was very surprised. Well, yeah, to see let's that. talk about that for a second. How yeah, how surprised were you? Very. So Lucas Johnson, backup quarterback, comes out and starts instead of Carson Baker, who has not been good this year, as we talked about in the last podcast. And Johnson comes out wheeling and dealing with this. I was like, wait, one, you didn't even attempt to pass last game when you appeared versus I can't remember who they faced. It's blanking me, but he didn't even attempt to pass. He, and they don't traditionally pass the ball often, so what's what's the deal here? He and they, these weren't underneath. These weren't underneath. Oh no, he was th- yeah, he, lasers. He was making some nice throws, yeah. And it was <laughs> impressive to see, nonetheless. I was very taken aback by that because, like you said, they rely so heavily on the run game. I thought SDSU's game plan from the get go was going to be all right. Try and stop us. Try and stop our bread and butter. And throughout the game, they did do that. But to see SDSU come out with such a pass-heavy attack was just very surprising and credit our defense for, once again, adjusting to that kind of motions of the game and really forcing its hand to pass throughout the rest of the game, which you could tell was really out of their comfort zone. I think I tweeted on the back center account. Yes, I'm the degenerate who runs the Twitter during the games. But 13 out of their first 19 plays were pass plays. We usually don't take note of this, by the way, but since it's San Diego State and they average 280 yards a game on the ground and are like a bottom 20 team in the nation in passing, it was a little surprising. Oh, definitely. And I mean, they took advantage of it early on. And, you know, with that, it put some of our pressure on our offense to answer. You know, we saw strength versus strength. I was not expecting SDSU's passing offense to be a strength coming into this game, but it certainly was during that first half. And Credit the Aztecs for kind of coming out aggressively, but you know, as you saw the game unfold, you saw as the Aztecs' running attack was limited, that ultimately comes back to the bill of the Nevada defense. So, okay, so let's start it from the top. I mean, we kind of already did start it from the top, but Nevada started with the ball. They were forced into a three and out, and then San Diego State gets the ball. They pass in their first three plays, 
And then Nevada forces a turnover on a lateral. Cameron Toomer recovers as well. Was that a lateral? It was It was very close on the broadcast. I, Gosh, I thought when I saw it on the field happening, I thought it was a lateral. I thought so. But that was a close call that ultimately ended in our favor. And we needed it because, as you were saying, they were driving down the field and starting to pick up some momentum offensively just to have that automatically snapped and put our offense back on the field. No matter what points we came out of it, I thought in our favor was huge. And Nevada was ultimately forced into a field goal. Week. Nevada led 3 nothing, And then San Diego State marches down the field. A big pass play to Jesse Matthews. That was like a fingertip grab. Yeah, what a catch. That was a freaking grab. He almost didn't make that. That was a grab. And then, of course, Johnson with the 35-yard rush untouched to the end zone on the read option. Was that just a defensive breakdown? I mean, that was... I mean, yes, but he's also very good with his legs. I mean, if he goes untouched, then likely, yeah. But good blocking down the field. Good recognition uh, on the handoff. Or on the, actually, in this case, on the non-handoff. And we've seen Nevada struggle with some mobile quarterbacks throughout this year. And Johnson was no exception because he was <laughs> he showcased, you know, a pretty good arm and a solid, you know, some solid mobility in the backfield. And that 35-yard touchdown run was... Pretty impressive, and obviously SDSU goes up 7-3, and at that time, um, you know, you're starting to see SDSU show up. Yeah, two plays, or it wasn't a two-play drive, but it was two plays to get 70 yards and a touchdown. I mean, that's big. You don't usually see that a lot from SDSU's perspective. You see them kind of grind out drives and ultimately wear down your defense, but this first half was just, like, so different in many aspects from SDSU's perspective. You just saw them go out of the box. I just think our defense, it took some time to adjust to those types of plays, and, you know, you saw it, especially in that first quarter, them just coming out firing on all cylinders. I haven't watched a lot of San Diego State games this year. I've watched a couple, but I don't remember them passing that much in the first quarter, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But, of course, the quarterback change kind of changes things a little bit and how they want to run things because Baker isn't as much of a thrower. At least he hasn't shown to be as much as Johnson. Are you talking about a runner? No, thrower. A thrower and a runner. Carson, yeah, thrower and a runner. Because Baker's limited mobility-wise Right, as well. yeah, he was too. So overall, I thought Johnson really kind of sparked that offense because we've seen SDSU's offense tumble and really not show up in a lot of games. But I thought Johnson's versatility in the backfield, along with their run game, it just set off some things, but, you know, getting back to it, I know we ultimately, what ultimately swung the tides in our favor was some huge plays on both ends of the ball, so. Yeah, after that 35-yard touchdown, Nevada, like, kind of nickled and dimed to drive down the field. There was a pass interference that was almost on a completion of dubs on a deep ball, and so Nevada was, like, a lot of underneath throws, too, a lot of nickel and diming it a little bit, and Eventually, we were forced into another field goal. Unfortunately for us, that was that was courtesy of two false start penalties by Gardner. Yeah, red zone penalties have been really bad, and they were on full display this week. And one of the things, as soon as like those two field goals occurred and we're still down one considering we've been in SDSU territory offensively, I really thought that was going to be a you know, something that could really come back to bite us and ultimately have us lose the game is we need to capitalize. We need to cap off drives with six 
ultimately seven, not three. But, you know, that's... I just thought early on there was just a few things that weren't clicking for us, and settling for field goals is not what you want to do against SDSU. I mentioned last week that Nevada might have to, and it might be a moment where you want to rip your hair out a little bit because you can get to the red zone so many times, and ideally you would want to have a touchdown in those situations. And we talked about it a little bit during the game. You and I were texting back and forth during the game. Nevada in the red zone this year has not been good. No, and a lot of it has to do with a lot of penalties. It's just been uncharacteristic in so many aspects. It's penalties and then just the field just the field shrinkage because yeah. Nevada heading into Saturday scored touchdowns in 47% of their red zone attempts. And that was one of the – that was, I think, it was number 100, 113th in the nation, I believe. That's just – And, of course, that figure got worse Saturday. But they also mentioned something on the broadcast that Strong's completion percentage when he wasn't in the red zone was 80%, and his completion percentage when he was in the red zone was like 47%. It was like, wait, what? <laughs> You'd think those numbers are kind of reversed in some way. But, but it's understandable because Nevada, so many of Nevada's touchdowns this year and so many like big opportunities have come through the long ball. But you're kind of taken aback. I was like, wait, he's, only compl- he's not even completing 50% of his passes in the red zone? Like, that's kind of surprised. That... Surprised me a little oh, bit. Oh, definitely. And I just think the offense as a whole struggles as soon as we reach the 20s. And it's something we really need to improve upon. Not being able to, fit, you know, just score six. And that's just one of the things that really kind of kept us down, I thought, was really going to be a turning point early on because I thought I saw SDSU's offense really starting to pick up some momentum. And for us to stall drives or three, ultimately, though, that came, as you said, and that came out huge because we're taking our points have faith in the defense, and that ultimately worked out. And our offense began to find its groove, especially towards the end of the first half. Do you want to know how many possessions that Nevada scored a touchdown in the red zone now? Oh, boy. After Saturday's over? I would love to not hear that. I'm going to tell you anyways. 40.9% of their red zone possessions, they've scored a touchdown. Do you want to know where that ranks in the nation? Like 120 Worse. We're 125th out of 127 teams. That's third worst. Only behind New Mexico, who we (laughs) faced already, and Utah, who's played one game. Wow. That's gross. Yeah, that if there's one improvement to take away from this big win, I bet Norvell's hammering in on that aspect because it's just little things like that can really turn a game upside down. But, you know, just like you said, Especially as we talked about in the preview podcast, I thought there was two big ways that we saw from the Nevada offense is taking what the defense gives you, which Nevada did do. We obviously will touch upon some big plays that ultimately helped us, but you saw Strong, like you said, kind of nickel and dime his way down the field. He only had like 40 yards per attempt when it wasn't to dubs. Well, I mean, we'll get into dubs later, of course, but that's still a perspective of how he wasn't throwing the ball often down the field, but he was taking what the defense gave him because we talked about it. San Diego State coming into this game doesn't allow a lot of deep passes. And that's what you have to do. I mean, San Diego State's talented, very talented on the defensive side of the ball. So just to be in field goal territory consistently is a big plus. Just being able to capitalize on those opportunities is something we could take forward throughout the rest of the year. Just going into the second quarter here, San Diego State scored, I think, the first play of the second quarter, and it was like a it was a seven yard pass from Johnson Johnson to Smith, 
And it looked like at first when Johnson was sitting his feet that he was going to like fade it or throw a fade route to him. But he just threw an absolute seed at a really weird angle. It was almost like he was throwing a go route, but from the seven yard line instead of from the 40 yard line. No credit. That play. Or was... not a go route, but like throwing it harder than just lobbing it up. Like, as you could tell, the first half was just a bunch of weird. Yeah. It really was. Wasn't it just like, oh, you're passing the ball? Oh, you scored on a pass play? What is going on? But credit SDSU because they really turned the game upside down in that point because you're up 14 to 6. You know, you're starting to feel a little comfortable. You have some confidence in your passing game. We haven't even seen the bread and butter of the run game to this point. And just ultimately, credit Nevada's, you know, just toughness to battle back from this game because an eight-point deficit against SDSU can really expand to, you know, 20-plus. As we've seen this year, they've kind of piled on the points against their opponents. So credit Nevada on this next ensuing drive. Again, nickel and diving it down the field. Devontae almost broke for a touchdown on a handoff. He... Guy, he was got out inside the five. I mean, he broke a couple tackles, uh, was dragged down on an, almost a horse collar. The dude, like, dragged him down by the jersey. Nevada, again, couldn't finish out the drive. Man, like... Red zone deficiencies. Our red zone offense needs to improve. Especially in a game like this, you know, every opportunity to get into the end zone counts. And once again, we had to settle for a field goal. And at this point, again... At three I'm field un- goals, yes. you're like... I'm uncomfortable. I, I certainly was. I don't know how you were feeling at that point, but I'm certainly uneasy that we can't capitalize on those types of drives. And, you know, we're starting to see SDSU's offense really kind of not trying to say take control, but really showcase its versatility, which I wasn't expecting. So to be down 14 to nine at that point was, for me, very uneasy. And I was obviously 14 to six was even worse. But I mean, that was just. That was one of our mishaps in the first half. Yeah, because Nevada's next drive there was we drove down the field. There was, like, penalties all over the place. False start, face mask, and then a pass interference in the end zone. And it's like, all right, now Nevada finally scored. And they gifted us that drive from the beginning of the drive because the beginning of that drive, it was there was a third and ten late hit on Strong, and Nevada just their drives alive, and then of course the face mask. I think it was on Devonte, not the penalty on Devonte, but the guy grabbed Devonte's face mask. All right, that's a first and goal, incomplete pass, and then a pass interference, and it was like okay, another first and goal, and so like they pretty much were just gifting us opportunity after opportunity, and Nevada finally scored. Yeah, we've highlighted uncharacteristic penalties on our end, SDSU really shot themselves in the foot with penalties themselves. They, like you said, they gifted us so many empty yards for us to just continue our drive. And credit Nevada for capitalizing finally and finding the end zone. Really good catch by Cole Turner. Used his size and athleticism to get that jump ball. I loved that pass call, by the way, on first and goal. I was a big fan of that. I liked it. I'm not a huge fan of the goal line fade. You must not be a Madden fan. I think you are, but... I know I love Madden, but I don't run goal line fades. I, I'm a big, you got to use the slants play. I'm a big goal line fade guy, virtually and in real life. So credit Matt Mummy for that play call, or Norvell, whoever called that one up. It's probably it's probably Norvell. Yeah, it's, it's Norvell. He's calling the plays, but I liked that play a lot. 
just to test one-on-one coverage. And Cole there's Turner. ways you can test one-on-one coverage without throwing a goal line fade. I liked it, but hey, it worked. I liked it. Yeah, why are we why are we questioning it? It worked. Can we talk about? I think this happened in the first half. Can we talk about Toetawa's arm? Yeah. I mean, dude has a cannon. Yes. <laughs> it was they ran a wildcat, and Toetawa drops back for a pass play, and I'm like, Oh god, what is happening? Oh god. He just yeeted it down the field. I mean. It reminded me of just like that Jarrett Jack, Madison Square Garden throw at the end of the buzzer, <laughs> where he just just chucks it into the stands. I love that meme. It's so good. So, and funny thing was, that could have been the high point of our first half because that was before we took some of the game back at that at, at that point. But that Toa Tower, watch out for his arm. Watch out. It is a secret threat to our new. Pass heavy offense. Just watch out. Watch Strong go out wide one of these days and just catch an 80 yard bomb from Toa Tower. Please, no. I mean, the throw wasn't impressive. The throw no. strength or the arm strength was impressive. The throw itself was, was horrendous. <laughs> it was awful, but. Still. But hey, he's not a quarterback. No, not at all. But no, it was, that was a digging funny. Into the ba- digging into the bag of tricks. Yeah. Yeah, just mixing things up. You know, SDSU's going pass, 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 first play of the game. We're going, oh, yeah? Well, Let's take have this. have a running back pass a ball. Take okay. this, SDSU. But, yeah. But ultimately, getting back to the game, that Cole Turner touchdown was big. Yeah, how did we get from Cole Turner touchdown to Toa Tawa well, we were throwing talking about, a f- we were talking about the 90-yard pass down the field? We were talking about fade routes, and you're like, oh, I'm not really a fan of fade routes. Oh, Guess what I'm not until a fan of works, either. Until it works <laughs> yeah. one out of every five times, I'm not a fan of the fade route. Yeah. But that was a good play call. I'm I'm for the fade route there, especially to Cole Turner. Credit Cole Turner once again. Huge. Stepped up. He's been awesome all year. Anyways, and then well, then after that point, San Diego State drives down the field like it was the quickest two-minute drive of all time, and they score a touchdown, take 21-16 lead heading into half, and it was like, wait. Yeah. With that ease. was quick. That was a drive with ease. They made it look simple, easy. Another, you know, six on the board plus a PAT. And then Nevada to start the second half. Then this is when their defense – I mentioned earlier that they allowed seven yards in the second half. This is where their defense just kicked up Truly several shined. notches. Dom Peterson. Dom Peterson is good. a man amongst boys. He is a man of mole. He's just ferocious. I, I like, I'm trying to think of words to describe him. He was a defensive player of the week for the Mountain West. Uh, he, earned, some words. he earned every bit of it. I mean – Wreaking havoc, just shedding, getting to the backfield, almost like just like almost every play, you see him doing something eye popping. Like, oh boy, another couple seconds he could have had another sack, another couple seconds he could have had another tackle for loss, all over the field, just a menace. Yeah, he had three tackles for loss, two sacks, four tackles in the third quarter, or four tackles in the game, the three tackles for loss, and two sacks came in the. Came in the second half. Yeah. All were on third down. Just And so they were third and long drives. And that's one of the things we touched about, touched upon in the podcast was 
getting SDSU into those types of situations. And our defense capitalized on it just to the the fullest in the second half. And, you know, this game tightened up real quick. You know, offensively for both teams, we didn't see much. And Nevada's defense just continued to shine throughout those final 30 minutes. And we needed every bit of it because it was truly a spectacular performance. It was great to see. And I think one of the ways that the defense really stood out was containing the passing game. You know, they really drove down the field with ease on us, as we touched upon in the first half, but limiting their rushing attack, forcing them to pass in those types of situations showed SDSU's weaknesses on offense. Yeah, it did. And Nevada's first drive of the second half put us ahead after, again, another 50-yard touchdown pass from Strong and Dubs, but Right before that, we're going to talk about this. It's not going to get talked about much, but the Toa Tawa Wildcat run. Yes, I'm a fan of the one time it worked. The Toa Tawa Wildcat run on, I think it was fourth and one on our 49. So we were at midfield, down five. Did you like the call at all to go for an unfourth and one? I did I, a lot because I it's did. a fourth and one. Oh, definitely. At midfield. Put I mean. your foot on the pedal. And I think, once again, that was a big battle of the trenches type of play. You needed to win those battles to win the game as a whole. That wasn't a big battle of the trenches, trenches type play. That was Toa Tau versus whoever tried to tackle him type play. Well, and Toa, of course, won the battle. And SDSU got out in the backfield immediately. And Toa Tawa, it reminded me of that Michael Jordan uh, Space Jam moment when he dunked the basketball for the win, stretching his arm out and using every strength possible. I'm using so many stupid... Uh, analogies this this time around but that play like you said to set up the biggest play of the game on our end offensively it couldn't have been done without Toa's effort and just brute strength a fight a determination to just to get that one yard was awesome it was you could tell the team as a whole wanted it at that moment and Toa wanted you could tell Toa wanted it so yeah that was I mean in hindsight that was a clear momentum flip Oh, definitely, because... Of the 50-yard touchdown pass. To who else? To Romeo Dubs. Finally, I mean, we've touched upon the two stars on both sides of the ball, kind of finally, with Romeo and Don Peterson. And I, I think I touched upon it in the podcast. I was not expecting any play of 50 plus yards this game. I thought Strong was going to have to dink and dunk and find his way down the field in other ways, which he did throughout most of the game. But the 59-yard catch to Dubs and this 50-yard touchdown just broke the game wide open from that standpoint because... I mean, we were only up two. But for us... The momentum shifted. The momentum was shifting back and forth the entire game. At this point, I really thought that was a huge, huge shift in our favor. And once again, Romeo, just to get past the secondary, as he's been able to do all year... You know, it's becoming a normality. It's almost like you expect it, no matter who we're facing. And that connection is just ridiculous. Dubs finished the game with, what was it, five? Five catches, 133 yards, and a touchdown. touchdown. Just more eye-popping numbers. I know his pro-rated stats, as you love to talk about. Yeah, is it concerning that his pro-rated stats went from 1,900 to, or let's say for yards purposes, He's had five 100-yard games this year. 
isn't it like isn't it concerning to you that <laughs> that his prorated stats over I think twelve games went from over nineteen hundred to eighteen hundred? It's quite concerning. You need to get to the two thousand mark. No, just, no, we're, he's just spectacular. Yeah, he's been awesome this season. When, when a game like that downgrades your prorated stats, it shows your season as a whole. And that play in general was we just needed it so badly. And back to back, the Toa one yarder just to keep that drive alive. Follow it up with the biggest strength of our team that we've showcased all year against SDSU's loaded secondary. I was not expecting any play like that to happen this week, or last week, I should say now. But it happened. And you know what? We needed it. We needed every bit of that play. So once again, we take the lead. And at this point, I think we're starting to see a trend in what's about to happen a little bit. Can we get a hashtag going on Twitter? Hashtag Romeo for Bolitnikov? Yes. It's already added to the watch list. It's time. It's time. Sorry, Elijah Moore. Sorry, Devontae Smith. Sorry, Marlon Williams. Hashtag Romeo for Bolitnikov. And he, he just, whenever he scores too, nonchalantly, doesn't, just lets his work speak for itself. He's been able to, he's been doing that since he stepped foot at Nevada. It's just this calm, quiet, charismatic, just lets his play speak for itself. It's awesome. Talton kicked another field goal in the fourth quarter to put us ahead 26 to 21. We couldn't capitalize in those in those final two drives. Talton missed his first field goal of the year. That was kind of... After I gave From 51 him 51 yards out, he barely missed it. After like, it I gave barely. him my Mr. Automatic midseason award. I mean, he hit 18 consecutive field goals up to that point. I was still dating back to last year. I was still disappointed, man. No, I'm just kidding. Brandon Talton, you're still Mr. Automatic. And Mr. Julian Diaz, hopefully, as we get into further into the fourth quarter, showing off his golden cleat, as I touched upon once again in my midseason awards. Highlight the special teams more, guys. They yeah. deserve respect. He was the Mountain West Special Teams Player of the Week, for good reason. Yeah, all five of his all five of his punts traveled over fifty yards. He's special. He's averaged nearly fifty three yards per punt this year in eleven punts. Eight of them have traveled for fifty plus yards. Seven have landed inside the twenty. That's insane. You can't ask more of him. He's been awesome. Golden cleat. But um. Yeah, this fourth quarter was just a series of emotions, wasn't it? But Especially like, towards the end, I'm sure Pac fans all all around Reno and the United States and in London. In London. Shout out London. London. Shout out London. Again. In just around Pac fans who were watching everywhere. Sweat was starting sweat was starting to build up near the end of that game. So Nevada's last drive resulted in a strong interception. Not a great throw. Almost looked like Romeo didn't think he was going to catch it. It was tipped into Darren Hall's hands. And San Diego State took over at Nevada's 26-yard line with a 3.23 to go. And so they their first, or no, their second and third first downs of the second half came on that drive, and you just kind of like felt that, like, oh, no. Nevada's going to ultimately give up the lead and not have enough time to to win this game that final goal to go situation by san diego state was horrendous not good it was horrendous first since isaiah loves fade routes so much you want to talk about that fade route that was incomplete on the first and goal well when you don't have cole turner 
the fade route it was goes, to Matthews. He's good. The fade route percentage goes down a few notches. So every single team in the nation, but Nevada has a Cole Turner. So you're saying that Plus, every other team in the nation can't successfully complete the fade route because they don't have Cole Turner. Is that what I'm hearing? Basically. So it works. In essence, the fade route isn't good, except for Nevada. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, yeah, not the okay. I have defended the fade route. I will not defend it in this situation because almost pi too on Nevada's part. And that's the thing too, like a fade route can cause that you know cause a flag. It also could very easily call an offensive pass interference at the same time. But in this case, it was neither. Yeah, not the best play call there for the fade route, I must say. And then a one yard rushing loss. Or so they were at Nevada they were at Nevada's four yard line in that goal to go situation. Incomplete fade route. One yard rushing loss. And that second goal, it's like, okay, what are they gonna do here? Their identity this entire season and just for the last several years has been all right to run the football and pound the football and get as close as you can to the goal line. And you had two downs to play with. Or no, in this yeah. in this yeah, case three downs. No, in yeah. this case three downs because it'd be second and goal. No, 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 no. Third and goal and fourth and yeah, goal. Yeah, I'm I'm mixing yeah. myself up here. Yeah. So then, they do a little rub route. Johnson rolls out to the outside, and by golly, Matthews was wide open. Wide, not a person within five to ten feet of him. We're talking wide open. And just a mishap on SDSU's part threw it way behind him and it's like if you throw it to him in stride touchdown touchdown they take the lead leave some time up on on the clock but not a lot not a ton but Nevada had a timeout to play with kind of weird they didn't call a timeout at the end of the game but you can argue for or against that and then the final play of the game Johnson rolls out and throws it out of bounds. Yeah, like what? I know you got to put the ball in play. I don't care what happens. I, I mean, he I almost, don't understand stum- he almost stumbled and fell. I think behind his right tackle. I, I don't understand for a sack. But in that situation, ideally, you just huck it up in the end zone and see what happens. Make you have to let one of you guys make a play. I don't care. I don't understand. Isn't that the fundamentals of football in that given situation? I don't know. But credit Nevada's defense once again stayed strong all night. And the second half, they absolutely took over. Our offense was very limited. Um, a couple missed opportunities and a missed field goal really put this game in jeopardy for us, especially after that strong interception. The defense held strong all second half, and they were just spectacular. That's one word that can sum up their performance. We needed every bit of their effort, and the secondary played tight. Front seven just got through, and we saw SDSU transfer between Johnson and Baker, it didn't matter. A lot of the result, the results stayed the same in so many aspects. We just wreaked havoc. Yeah, Johnson Johnson got hurt in the third quarter. It looked like it was one of his legs. I can't remember which one it was. And so they alternated the final five drives, I think. And Johnson, even when he was hurt, was no, felt noticeably yeah. better than Baker did. Baker only had a pass attempt. Um, he, he rushed a little bit, but then got sacked a couple of times. Johnson just the more mobile option. He created more p- trouble for Nevada. He was 14 for 24 for 184 yards and a touchdown. Nevada adjusted. Those second half adjustments proved well, and we're five and zero. I mean, what more can you say at this point after a win like that? 
you cannot be writing, you know, you can't, you cannot be feeling good about this football team. Like you can, you, you can't not. Does that, gosh, my verbiage today. Yeah, you, it's, you I have a case of the Mondays. Con- you almost had me confused there. It's you like... just have to be feeling optimistic about that. I mean, after a win like that, in that fashion, was truly awesome to see. We didn't even talk about Greg Bell, who was held at 28 yards on nine carries. Credit the defense. Credit and the defense. I know, and he didn't get that many opportunities at all. He got hurt he got in hurt. the first quarter, came back in the second. He didn't look, and he really didn't look. And then we just bottled him up. We just bottled up their rushing attack, and you saw them. That's why it was so surprising seeing them come out with heavy pass attack. But as the game wore on, you saw the serious deficiencies they've had all year with that passing offense, and Nevada really exposed it. It would have been a great game to have fans at Mackey because of that ending. It would have been awesome, but, you know, just the product on the field itself was awesome to see. We also didn't talk about Strong's 300-yard completion or 300 yards consecutive game streak came to an end six games how how many yards short was he 14 12 12 he was 31 for 46 288 and two touchdowns touchdowns and an interception listen he we i I think we came into this not expecting the the biggest game obviously from strong for the most part he did an awesome job leading the offense i know didn't come out to a lot of touchdowns came with more field goals but in a game like that you take whatever the defense gives you, and he did a great job of that. And he played well, composed, and no matter what the deficit was or what point of the game, it looked like he was just – but he just looked so composed and well-structured under center, and he's been doing that all year. Credit his maturity and growth this year. I felt like throughout the game, New Mexico's pass rush was better than San Diego State's, but still needs improvement. Just the offensive line deficiencies in general need improvement. Nevada as a team, discipline needs improvement. They're the least disciplined team in the Mountain West, at least thus far. Hopefully that hopefully that changes throughout. And so just a bunch of areas of improvement. But then just thinking about it, Nevada being the most undisciplined team, and yet they have the best record. Shows, shows Testament the... to how good they've been. And they haven't even blown these guys out. Like We could be talking easily right now. A couple misplay, uh, like a couple plays flip here and there, not just in San Diego State, but New Mexico, maybe even Wyoming too, and we could be easily talking about Nevada being three and two or two and three, and they're they've now they're now three and zero oh in one score games and five and zero oh in the year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's how close this year has been. It's been a lot of make or break plays on both sides of the ball. And to our credit, we've stepped up in some sort of aspect to get the win. And there wasn't a win bigger than this one coming into the year at this point. We and can now shake the – our opponents are 1-13. and 13. Yeah. That record improves marginally, marginally, but it improves. No. With a win like that, you need to be riding high and off to Hawaii we go. This is going to be – as it stands currently, this is our first game out of Nevada. Very scary. Are you worried by the end of the season that Nevada is going to drop their final three games because they've they're now traveling out of state for the first time this year? It all started when we played against Hawaii. It all I don't started know. when you left the states. <laughs> I certainly hope not. I just I have faith in the team from here on out. I think we have to shout out our scoring predictions real quick before we wrap this up. 
I mean, I had 24-20. You had... 28-24. Yep, we killed it. Today is Monday. We're putting this up on Tuesday. Since it's Thanksgiving week and since everything is going to be closed, or at least the J school, I think is going to be closed from Wednesday through uh, Sunday, at least I'm pretty sure it is, we're going to be recording our preview and our Nevada basketball preview tomorrow on Tuesday. And so be on the lookout for those. Nevada plays their first basketball game on Wednesday against North Dakota State. Now it, the opponents changed like, I don't know. It's changed twice, but it's felt like it's changed 20 times. Anyways, Coach Alford has two days to prepare for that. That's kind of funny. And then Nevada has another game on Thursday. So once we get back next week, we got a lot to talk about. Oh, definitely. No, it's going to be We fun. got a lot to talk about tomorrow, too, with Hawaii and traveling to the islands for First, that. Yeah, It's going to be an experience. Aloha. That was weird. Yeah, what? Was I've weird. been saying a lot of weird stuff this podcast. Um, Are you tired, Isaiah? You need, I have no you idea. You sleep? know what? I've been get, I got like a three-hour power nap in today, so I should be good. But I'm not. I Thank you again that. for listening. Give us a rating. Five-star rating, in fact. Like and again, like and subscribe. Thank you again for listening. We will see you tomorrow. I mean, they won't see us tomorrow. Okay, well, they'll hear from us tomorrow. Better. Is it for your approval? Yeah. Yeah, we're all good. Thank now. you for listening. You will hear us tomorrow. Have a good rest of your day.